Hello, and welcome back to Q&A. I'm sorry, this podcast is a little late in coming, but we spoke with Haley Barker last year, and now she's in Juxtapose magazine, and that's really awesome. And I just thought, wow, maybe I should get my act together. You can see the video of this podcast on our YouTube channel, but here is the audio version of our Q&A with Haley Barker. Thanks again for coming and um, doing this with us. We super, super appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Haley Barker was uh, is was born in Oregon in 1973. She received her Bachelor of Arts from the University of Oregon and her MFA from the University of Iowa. She's recently been featured in Shrine Gallery's Digital Exhibition Connections, La Loma Projects, Tiger Strikes Asteroid in Chicago, Big Pictures LA, and many, many more in New York and uh, Bozo, Bozo Mag. That's in LA, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, well, well exhibited, and um, currently, the most recent thing was the Shrine uh, solo show. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I first saw your work on Instagram uh, and the, the 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 bed drawings, the little, little self portrait drawings I, I first came across those a couple of years ago and um, oh. started following you and thought they were thought they were great really enjoyed looking at them and then uh, Joseph came to me one day and he's like you followed Haley Barker do you know her I was like no I don't know her he's like oh she's one of my old friends and <laughs> so uh, you know I was really glad to keep keep an eye on what you're doing but it seems like these landscapes sort of happened and I didn't I missed it <laughs> <You know? laughs> there they are they're incredible landscapes so um I'm really looking forward to catching up and seeing how 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 all that happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so welcome. Uh, thank you, thank you for your wonderful introduction, and thanks for having me. I'm I'm really grateful to get to be here today with you all. Um, means a lot to be asked to do these kinds of talks. So. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, if you have any questions at any time, let me know. I'm, I'm an open book, um, you know, and I, I think the best thing we can do as artists for each other is to be like, to be there and support each other. So, um, yeah, so gosh, you know, my path to making paintings has been, um, kind of unusual. Like I didn't study painting in school, but, um, I, you know, I went to school in the nineties and early 2000s and um, studied performance in Iowa. So that's kind of my background was in performance art, Um, kind of like the way that they make jokes about it, like on sitcoms, like that was the kind of art I made. (laughs) And I'm I'm happy to have uh, had that experience. Um, Kind of secretly, I was always though drawing and making paintings and um, it was just kind of something I did for myself, like really ever since I was a little kid. Um, always drawing people and places and things that I saw. Um, And then I think when I got to Portland after grad school, I started um, showing those publicly more and started showing them with galleries. Um, I was doing drawings of dolls and then um, sort of animals and then sort of fantastic creatures. And then I started doing landscapes. So I basically worked in sort of all the genres, Um, you know, since moving to L.A. five years ago, I've done um, sort of 
port abstract portraits, and then that moved back into landscape and landscape with figures. So I um, I can show you a few of those. I've I've been showing with some galleries here in LA, um, particularly Bozo Mag, which is an artist-run gallery. Um, I've been showing with them, gosh, ever since they started here, so for about four, almost five years. Um, and I, I love them. I love the community around them, so I continue to work with them. Um, and I've been showing at, a, at this, this one that I have on screen here, Shrines, uh, since last summer, um, or actually right, before, right as quarantine hit, I guess, is when I started working with them. Um, what you see here are, gosh, this land, this uh, air or... This mower just started. Can you guys still hear me okay? Yeah, you're fine. Okay, sorry about that. Um, so this picture here is from my recent time in, in New York. Um, when, I, uh, when I found out I was going to have a solo exhibition in New York, I decided to take some time and um, go there and spend some time actually meeting people and connecting as much as is possible during COVID. Um, I decided to get a studio there for a couple of months and make some paintings. And um, so these are some of the ones I made. And I'll just show you these quickly. Um, they're about 100 inches tall by about 82 inches. Um, this one's based on, uh, I'm going to move to my other room so that the mower isn't bothering us. Oh, I hope that's I, not I too unprofessional. No, it's fine. I can't even hear it, honestly. Um, but uh, Okay. You're okay. I'm moving, moving, moving. Okay. Um, <laughs> life, right? Okay. So, um, way more quiet in here. Okay. So, so this one is based on a, um, a river that I love in Oregon, where I'm from. Um, the landscape of Oregon continues to influence me, even though I live in Los Angeles now, and I've been here for about five, six years. Um, this is a place where I used to go swimming with my best friend, and I still actually go swimming there every single summer. It's like kind of my spiritual home, I feel like. Uh, it's a place that like really replenishes me, and it seems really magic to me because I used to, you know, swim there as like a 12-year-old, and now I go there with like her and her kids. So it's like very magic, you know. It's like a really spiritual place for me. Um, so... Continuing on, um, here's here's another shot. We decided, my, my gallery put together these pictures. They decided to uh, kind of do like an informal show in the studio that I was working in in Brooklyn because, um, because of COVID, because of how things are, um, no one actually got to come to this like show. We just like shot it like a show and then decided to share it online and um, so I'm showing you their website of these these paintings right now. Um, it was a really great studio and I got it for super cheap because of COVID. <laughs> like lots of people have been moving out of their studios. So I got it for half price, which was crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, really the biggest space I've ever been in in my life to make work in. Like bananas, so big. Um, mm -hmm. Here's a painting that I made that was inspired by my uh, front yard here in in Los Angeles and you can kind of see there's like a um kind of zoom in a little bit there's a um there's a person here in the background with a mask and a dog um and then there's this path sort of leading forward um and that's that's kind of a landscape that to me is it's kind of like a passage between 
between the private and the public spheres, like a home being a, a something that like keeps you safe. It's like the place of dreams um, where you where you rest, and it's also like a place where you kind of are in yourself, protected. And then when you go out into the world, maybe it's like a different feeling, a different um, way of interacting with the world. So perhaps this figure is like a little bit like a ghostly figure, or maybe it's like a version of myself from the past or the future, or maybe it's, it's a stranger. Um, I kind of like to think about these ambiguities. And, and of course, like the landscape is a lot of different kind of dreamy colors. I like to get into lots of different kinds of um, mark making. That's really my jam. So like I, I work on linen. Um, it's primed with a clear gesso. A clear gesso. Mm. Um, I use oil paint and um, I work with um, a lot of medium, a lot of like thinning agents. So the paint is very thin. It's not thick. Like uh, you can kind of see um, like areas like in here where there's that beige color. That's just the color of the linen. Um, so let me see yeah. what I can do here. I was curious about that. Is there anything you could say more on that that choice uh, that with the with the beige color as a ground means to you versus just like sure student grade? Yeah, white, white I mean, gesso? yeah, you know, I have I have never liked working on just a plain white ground. Like it's always been a little bit daunting and like a little bit too bright for me. Like I'm oddly sensitive to brightness. I guess I am have a little bit of like, um, what do they call it? Synesthesia, where you like colors that have like sounds. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's just something that some people are born with. And, you know, I'm also very prone to migraines. Um, so I, I'm like, a, I am highly sensitive to light and color, um, sometimes in ways that are like really tough. Um, so I think really this the choice to work with like a raw linen color, raw linen being like a beige brown, it's it's like it's easier on my eyes. Um, and it also kind of calls back to this like nostalgic um, effect that old paintings have. Like if you look at say a, an old like Michelangelo or something where there's like the raw linen or the raw canvas of an unfinished painting. I love like unfinished paintings. Those have always been some of my favorite things to look at in museums where it's like not quite done or like a sergeant painting where there's like brush marks leading off into nothing. Um, that's appealing to me. I mean, gosh, I could talk about it forever. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I hear that. Here's, yeah. Um, here's some roses I painted. Um, they were inspired. A lot of these paintings I made while I was in New York most recently were inspired by just things I saw in the neighborhood. And I was staying on, um, staying in a house on Lorimer Street, which also happens to be like a subway stop. Mm -hmm. um, so people kind of know what Lorimer Street is in Brooklyn. So this is called Lorimer Street Rose, mm -hmm. uh, New Moon. Um, like a lot of people, I, I like astrology. Um, I've been into it forever and like tarot cards and witch stuff. Like I, I've been in a coven, like, mm. uh, you know, that's kind of also a big part of my, my natural sort of 
stuff that I'm into. I love the seasons and seasonal time and, and paying homage to nature. So um, just thinking about the qualities of a rose and how it's like your, um, oh, hi, I see clapping, yay. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> how, how, how roses can be like spirits that you um, interact with, that they have like a beingness and a consciousness and like a character. They become your friend. Like this rose I saw every day when I was on my way to the studio and I was like, oh man, like I love this rose. Like every day I see it and it's just so vibrant and life-giving. Um, so that was sort of a part of the inspiration for that. And then I, I did this other painting of the rose with the full moon um, and kind of this ambiguous, slightly scary sort of dark bush behind it. Mm. Um, so I think of elements of nature as having characteristics that convey different psychological states or personalities or energies, like the way marks move, they kind of like show the energy of a plant or a space. Um, here's another one I did that's like a, a path from a sort of like an interior space to a, to an outdoor space. Um, different plants in it like a rose you've got like a, a little moon a little crescent um and you know i work a lot from things around me but i'm also inspired by art history so this composition is actually one that i borrowed from pierre bonard um, i've done a painting sort of like this composition many times now i'd say i've i've painted it five or six times on large like in a large scale and every time I paint it, I change the colors, I change the plants, but this idea of like a portal um, and like the trees and plants sort of surrounding you, that's something that I learned from just really closely observing Pierre Bonnard's work. It seems like you guys have a lot in common, you and Bonnard, and the way, yeah. you, I mean, just going back to the bed drawings, like the, the line work mm -hmm. and then the open way in which you don't you don't go for sculptural form you go for this color field it seems like yeah. you and Bonnard both do that you have these almost silhouettes in which things happen things become exactly yeah 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 that's so well said you know it's something um when i think about painting and color i think about how um and i think about his paintings particularly there's this weird thing that happens where colors don't have to actually stick to the forms that they are. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, um, like in this painting, this is a, a picture of my backyard where I was living in Brooklyn um, most recently. I mean, I feel like colors can travel. They, they don't have to be contained, I guess is another way to say it. And so it is sort of like a color field, like this in here is somewhat ambiguous. And it kind of spreads this golden space. But it's also, if you look at it, um, it has a texture to it. It's like fallen leaves. Um, this glass table has a kind of directional energy to it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then this tree here has a kind of upward energy. But there are places of abstraction within it. And something I've really enjoyed working on a larger scale, like these being, you know, 100 inches or so tall, um, I get to have more room to just 
make weird marks. Like that's kind of something that I just delight in. And I believe that, you know, as a painter, if you don't have fun making what you're, what you're making, why do it? Like that's, I think it's all about like finding the thing that makes you super happy and that you want to come back to. Um, I can keep talking. Let me show you actually. I'll show you just a couple more pictures from my actual physical exhibition at Shrine in New York. Um, do, 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 do. So this is the show I had back in um, back around can't Halloween. Do you recognize that painting? <laughs> yeah. Carrie Manning just made a, a study of this painting as well. So, <laughs> yay! I mean, I think like making studies of other painters' works is a joy and it's a way to learn. And I believe in it and I support it. And I don't believe in ownership in that way. Like, I think we all can interpret other artists' works in whatever ways we want to. Um, and that's ways we have conversations as artists it's ways we like really create culture with each other um so yeah here's a good old matisse but my my own version um i did a lot of like stolen <laughs> images um in this show and i can show them to you a bit briefly let me see how am i doing on time let's see we're um we're good i mean okay. you know we can, it, we can let it go. We can ask you questions. You know, don't feel like you need to talk to fill space. Well, I'll, I have tons of questions for you. So okay, cool. <laughs> but I'm yeah, I'd like to see um, more of these um, references to tr his historical paintings for sure. Yeah, there's a couple more I'll show you. This one is not based on historical. This is based on some flowers I used to walk by, um, some roses I used to walk by on my daily walks. I really like just using the plants around me and like getting to know them. Um, would that, would that come from memory or do you do it? Do you do the Bonard thumbnail sketch or a photo? I do or? sketches. Um, I take photos. I work, I work with everything I can. I feel like nothing's off limits, you know? So um, lots of photos, lots of drawings, lots of sketches, um, lots of color studies. Mm. Um, but ultimately the colors I use in the paint, are very much intuitive so I just kind of make it up as I go along um, here's one that's a study uh, of a, a Odilon Redon painting who's I'm probably saying his name wrong and someday someone will correct me um, <laughs> but uh, his is education. <laughs> okay. Ugh, my education but um <laughs> Yeah, this one, his paint, his print is maybe like tiny, but this one is about uh, nine and a half feet tall. Um, it's kind of like a, an entryway, like a portal into um, this kind of private space. And I, I considered this figure, I made it way more sort of um, gender fluid um, than his uh, character is that's in this painting. And um, I called it morning after you know, this was happening around the George Floyd protest mm. and also around the beginning of the pandemic. And I just felt like there was a lot of um, sadness and grieving that needed to happen um, or was happening. Uh, this is a part of a Gauguin that I stole and took a lot of people out of. And 
<laughs> too. Um, I made it very small though. It's a very small painting, like twelve inches or, or something. Um, this I one is my. There, but... What's that? I thought there was something there, but I couldn't place it. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. I'll do just like a couple more. This one was uh, the first painting of my front yard in LA. Um, you can see my feet down here. That was inspired by um, seeing a beautiful show at the LACMA right as COVID hit by um, an LA artist named Lucita Hurtada. Incredible painter, um, conceptual artist, um, like mother of um, Matt Mulligan, if you know his work. He's an incredible performance artist. Um, she's a Latinx American painter and she included her feet in a lot of her paintings a lot of her paintings are like looking down at her body to her feet mm -hmm. um so I, I had to like throw a little bit of her into this because i was so blown away by her work um but then the rest of it is my front yard mm -hmm. um and this one is is kind of like a, a landscape from my neighborhood also inspired by part of a bonard painting mm -hmm. So I can I can just keep copying, but I'll I'll take questions. <laughs> yeah. Here's a painting. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, let me ask you first. Um, going back to what you just you were saying about in school, mm -hmm. being one kind of artist, but then also sort of on the side or maybe even secretly doing this other kind of thing. I'm kind of yeah. curious about that. You know, I mean. You get to intermediate at Iowa, which is a major program, and Hans Breeder was a rock star, and so you, there's pressure on you to do a thing, but you're also doing this other thing. Yeah. You know, it turns out Hans Breeder was doing this other thing too. Like I, I follow the Hans Breeder Instagram thing, where it's just his little paintings and collages. You know, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> what? Can you talk a little more about that? What? Why? Why the one thing then, and hiding? Or I don't know if you hit it, but just. I did. Keeping it, keeping it a little bit secret here on the side, and then now, now becoming a painter. You know, just talk about the difference between the two. Or do you still engage mm -hmm. in performance at all? Is that completely done, or just the dynamic dynamic between the two things? Well, you know, I think um, performance was really important to me when I was uh, in my late teens and early twenties. Like I'm 47 now. Um, you know, in the 90s when I was studying, uh, when I was in undergrad, um, it was the time of like the riot girls in the Pacific Northwest, like the punk bands that were run by women. Um, you know, they were speaking out against sexism and like anti-gay sentiments and homophobia, like homophobia and rape and violence against women. And those were all issues that I was very much interested in. And I was very driven to be like very per, like politically active in that way. So I think just my surroundings, having like going to school in Eugene, Oregon and seeing all those punk bands, it made me want to be like, I had a hard time thinking like, how would I make a painting about this rage? Like, how would I make a painting about these feelings? Like I couldn't. So I had to pick up a different tool really to express the things I needed to express. Right. Um, and that happened to be like performance and video. So I did that really, I feel like until 
I was done until I said everything I had to say, I guess. Um, it didn't become, it wasn't necessary anymore. And I found that like my personal sort of private practice of drawing and painting ended up being something that now felt more important to share because it had to do with more like my performance was more about like the world outside of myself and my paintings and drawings had more to do with like my interior world. Um, so that, that just became more important in my life and with who I am and like who I am in the world for myself. Um, so that, that was kind of how I ended up, you know, moving towards that and finding that actually the practice of painting and drawing was, was really integral to my well-being and my, like, I like being by myself. I like quietly working and listening to music in a room for hours. Like that feels like heaven. Um, And I just feel like, you know, you gotta, you gotta give into the thing that feels the best um, because it will motivate you to keep doing it. And I feel like that's like ultimately that pleasure in making is something that other people respond to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, I, I watched um, uh, the video that was on, uh, I think it was on Bozo Mag. Uh-huh. You had mm-hmm. said something about um, the radical act of enjoying beauty. Maybe mm-hmm. that was, a, I, I'm sorry. I did a couple different things, but, but yeah. you, you equip, you, created an equivalence between your radical activism as a performance artist to now this mm-hmm. act of doing this thing. And I was thinking about that and I, man, I completely agree. Like mm. I, I try to say it a lot. Like it's to be an artist is a pretty radical act in general. Um, but I also, I just wonder if we're, it's, it's, we're a couple of old people saying these things it's like for a 20 year old, does it, does it mean the same thing? Cause, cause to our 20 year old selves, we were maybe not, yeah not of that feeling right like it just does it yeah i mean a bunch of really bad paintings in my 20s you know so (laughs) yeah i mean you know at every age we have different things that are valuable to us and um Mm. you know at that age i i was dealing with some personal issues that really needed um like to be involved directly in a community you know like i really had to like be in this culture Um, and that satisfied me deeply, um, getting older, I've, I've found that my spirituality is more important to me or more sort of in focus. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, there's a very healing power for me to engage in like a deep looking and feeling in my, in the landscapes that I live with. Um, and that, that is very impactful for me like i feel every day like there's this accessible um spiritual power that is replenishing and you know it's healing in in the way that performance used to be healing for me right so it's it's just a different like it's quiet now it's not so loud but it's it's just as powerful for me so performance might have been cathartic versus uh this more, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, sorry. Just go ahead. Oh yeah, no. I just uh, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about was the spirituality mm-hmm. of the the recent work that you've done, mm-hmm. and also I just um, marked down like mm-hmm. how do you so that that rage mm-hmm. 
from 25 years ago mm-hmm. has maybe recontextualized, mm-hmm. but, but like that feeling is probably still there in some capacity. And so I was wondering if you could speak to how, when you make things, how that rage isn't so aggressive as much as it is transformative. Because that's what I like. I think that's a really important aspect of the quiet uh, talk of change. Oof. Yeah. I mean, that's such a great question. How do I even begin? Um, the rage will always be there because, because, you know, frankly, you want me to be frank? Be frank. Please. Um, Please you know, I'm a feminist. I live in a patriarchal world. I live in a world that is utterly unjust. Like the culture, the society we live in diminishes those who are not valued. And it's it's every day I'm angry about it, you know. I'm I'm a white woman who's fucking angry about racism and sexism and homophobia and violence against the earth. Like I'm going to be mad every day, period. (laughs) How do I deal with that? Um, you know, yeah, I, I make paintings about it sometimes. And I also like advocate for people who are marginalized as much as I have that within my power. Like that is my activism now is I, you know, I try to give back to people of color who I know, artists. I try to get them into shows if I can. I try to get them jobs. I try to connect them, you know, like, like, oh, good job, Haley, white lady. But like, you know, my activism, I'm not asking for applause, but I'm saying like, I feel like the kind of activism I literally can do besides going to protests is showing up for people I know and trying to like just do the little things you can do to like support your friends, you know? Um, Been talking to a lot of my friends of color about this lately, so I'm like a little fired up. But um, uh, I made this painting uh, around the beginning of the George Floyd protests, which were really huge in LA, I gotta say. Um, And I was was near a lot of the protests and some of the rioting and um, you know, I was thinking like, what can I, a white woman do? Um, and part of that is like, you know, accepting my, um, accepting who, you know, the kind of power that I am innately born with, um, as a white woman, accepting that and, and acknowledging that, but also expressing the sadness and anger and rage. And I, I tried to make this portrait that was based on a um, a German painter's portrait of his girlfriend, but I, I made it look a little more like me in a, in a bathrobe and looking angry. Um, so that was an attempt. Am I making sense? I feel like I'm babbling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I also made this drawing or this painting based on, um, how I like to draw in the morning. Um, so it's like me in a in my bed with my blanket um drawing and a lot of my a lot of my feelings and anger these days also just goes into drawings that i make for myself and into like journaling every day i i write every day Mm. have for like 25 years like it's just a way to get it out 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, just to go back to this journey from the from this type of journaling drawing to to where you're at now over this mm-hmm. such a brief period, I'm just fascinated by how it develops so so quickly and so thoroughly. I mean, mm-hmm. it must have been a long time coming, I guess. And um, I wonder it if you could say it was it was like you had these ideas and it just needed they just finally started to stick maybe or like how did it go from just mm-hmm. ahead now to a full landscape was it was it the fact that you would you could borrow a structure from Bernard as a skeleton to build it off of or what what where did it how did it get there I'm still still blown away by it oh thanks well you know it's um it it all sort of coincided with um you know just aspects of my life that change um you know, around the time when I switched into making these bigger, more elaborate paintings was around the time when I quit my day job mm-hmm. and um, started investing all my money and time even more uh, into painting. Uh, and that, I think, gave me space to be more experimental and also kind of put some pressure on me to kind of like girl, if you're going to make this work, you're going to have to make it now because, like, the bills are not going to be paid by, like, not doing anything. So I had to, like, really, really uh, force myself to work bigger and better, you know? Enormous act of courage, and it it must have been scary. I mean, mean, were there there steps where you saw results, like, oh, this is exciting, this is is a new, this is new, this is, I've never gotten it to this point before. Is it something like that, or...? Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, um, I think a lot of it, I'll, I'll switch to this screen. Can I talk a little bit about people I worked for? Sure. Um, I worked for this artist, Mark Grotejohn, um, who's a famous painter. He shows with a lot of big galleries like um, Gagosian and Blum and Poe. And um He's an incredible artist and someone who I really respect. And, uh, you know, I worked for him as his office manager for about three years once I got to L.A. Um, to back up a little bit, I I learned how to do bookkeeping back when I was in Portland. And that was a, a, a job that helped me, like, have a stable income while I was transitioning into trying to be more of a full-time artist. Um, Because everybody always needs a bookkeeper. That's like a job that will always be there. No one wants to do that job. Except I happen to like spreadsheets and numbers. So so it happened to be like a good thing for me. I'm pretty good at math. Um, Yeah, it's just like a weird thing. So, uh, uh, So yeah, I worked for Mark for several years. I learned a lot about business from him. And I also learned about how to be like a... um, How to take chances and how to invest in yourself. You know, mm. like I had always kind of worked with like whatever I had. I was very scrappy. Um, but I, you know, I learned some things from him. Like if you have the money to buy some really nice stretchers, invest in them. Mm. Yeah, it's going to you're not going to have money to like mess around or go to bars or go to restaurants or buy new clothes. But you're going to have a really nice canvas. Mm-hmm. And it's going to make you want to make the best, like, stinking painting you've ever made. So that's, like, something I learned from him. And I feel like that elevated 
sort of like my ideals of like what I want my art to be. Um, See that because I, I that literally sprang to mind like um, the the notebook drawing to now a large linen painting. That that's mm -hmm. just it's a big it makes a lot of sense. Thank you for, for yeah. Yeah, I also, once I quit my day job with him, I also worked um, with this painter, Celeste Dupuis Spencer. Um, she's she's a trans artist. Um, she or they is what they go by. But I, I worked for her doing some um, painting in her studio and also some, um, here's a painting she did, um, sort of a self-portrait. I, I did a lot of um, like office manager type tasks for her, like answering emails and like working with galleries. Um, she shows here in LA and in New York and in, in, in like Europe and stuff. Mm. Um, so like doing odd jobs for other artists was kind of a way for me to like step into um, having a more full-time job. And it also allowed me to see how other people work that was very key for me in sort of bridging the gap from like making sort of more humble small works to like making ambitious sort of big gallery show type works mm -hmm. um you know being in her space in her studio space being in mark's studio space seeing um the amount of dedication and the way these folks worked like they treat their painting like a nine to five job you know they show up they're ready to work, they work all day, and then they go home and do it again, you know? And that's like, that was something I had never seen before. Um, and it was something that taught me how to be like a professional full-time artist. Right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I want to invite anyone to ask questions. Um, you could ask them in the chat or you can unmute yourself and ask a question. Please feel free. I have tons, but I, I always end up dominating, so. Please ask, ask away. Mm -hmm. Well, Haley, I have a, a, another question while yeah. people are thinking about it. And it's not something you've really discussed at this moment, but uh, you did a book, right? Like you yeah. did a book. And I did. Back. And uh, Vintage Self-Help, is that correct? Yeah. And so you had an edition of 100 and then it got in, uh, a second edition. Mm -hmm. So can you speak a little bit to what that book was and like yeah. what you did and how that, if at all, relates to the, the painting that you've done? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that book was the labor of love. Um, that book was a collection of short sort of like prose poetry essays that I wrote um, over the course of about 10 years and um, was something I kind of was just doing for myself because I've always enjoyed writing, like I mentioned. Um, when I got to LA, I ended up becoming friends with a woman who's um, a great poet. Her name is Katie Ford. Um, and she teaches down here um, at, a, at a college. She's a poetry chair. Um, I met with Katie and told her about my idea for this collection of essays. And um, she decided that she offered to edit it for me. And that was, um, again, like collaborating, working with other artists is like where the power is. You know, she really helped me take it seriously and be like, oh, this isn't just something I am doing like privately, that these essays could actually be something for other people. 
Um, and the essays, you know, they happen to talk about things like um, health issues I had, like I had cancer at one point. They talk about sexual assault, which is an experience I've been through. They talk about um, different modalities of healing, like acupuncture and like hospitals and um, and like shaman work um, and like working with nature. It's it's kind of about this like healing journey that I was on and. I think a lot of those issues relate to the subjects and the ways I've worked in my art through performance up into what I'm working on now, which is a more kind of spiritual practice kind of work, um, or more about nature and people in nature and how we understand space and one another. Um, so that book ended up being, um, I collaborated with Katie to edit it, and then um, my gallery in Portland helped hook me up with a graphic designer and a printer, and we ended up doing um, the first edition together just as a labor of love, and then that sold out real fast, so we did a second edition and did a redesign, and um, I love it so much. Um, I'm, I'm so happy that that book got to happen. Yeah. Is it still available? It's not, it's sold out, but I would love to do um, a new edition and um, like perhaps add a couple essays. Yeah. Yeah. It's been something I share through networks. Um, it's not some, it's like something I've shared. Um, there's a, a place down here called the Women's Center for Creative Work that's a great um sort of group that you can you can join it even online if you want to they have like a wonderful newsletter and online classes it's a women's activist center like intersectional feminist activist center and um they were very supportive and helping like disseminate disseminate is that the word that's such a school word um <laughs> help helping me like uh share the book with people and like get it to people who might want to read about that stuff hmm. it's not like a happy book you know it's kind of hmm. like serious yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, who has a question? <laughs> well, well I'll, I'll ask one. Then. So I've got a ton. I've got okay. so many. I, I, I keep you here all night. I'm sorry. Um, I uh, When I paint, I tend to grind my paintings in the dust. I overwork them to the point where they're just... It's just stupid. I, I kill them and then I walk away from them. How is it that you... I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking to you as such an inspiration because this way in which they stay open, uh, I'm just curious about it. I know that that comes from your sketching stays so open and free, but now that you're in oil paint and you're working mm -hmm. on a scale, how, how do you... How do you make choices? How do you erase? How do you edit? How do you how do you say this is? I don't want to go any further. I get. How does that work for you? Well, it's um, it's a real process of um. I think it starts from how I how I start a painting, which is kind of like with a drawing. Mm. Um, I rarely start with like laying down a flat color or something to work on. Um, I, I work just from the, the raw linen color. So it, it's kind of like my paintings are almost more like drawings is kind of how I think of it. Like I draw with the paint 
and like put down the initial sketch and then I kind of like fill in stuff. Um, You know, I used to make thick paintings, paintings that had like a lot of layers. And um, I guess over the years, I've just become more interested in like, I think a lot about paintings breathing. That's how I think about them. Like I think about them needing to have breath in them and needing to like move um, and have path passages for like entry and exit mm-hmm. um so i guess whenever i'm working on a painting i i i tend to stop short and i i test myself and it's not always easy but i try to like if it gets to a place where i'm like ooh, there's like too much it's too crowded mm. like i have to sometimes you know wipe it down and and do it again so there's yeah. a sense of restraint that's happening. So that, that's 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 kind of one of those big lies of painting, right? I mean, the painting is, your paintings express openness and spiritual freedom, but there's the artist, the artist practice is partly that. I mean, there's an empathy between the practice and the result, but there's also the artist discipline or restraint that's the learned restraint to don't go too far with it. I guess. Yeah, it's tough. It's not easy. You know, I feel like it's every painting is a test. And, um, you know, I, when I leave the studio after a session of painting, I, you know, I'll be thinking about what I just did. And sometimes I'll have to just go back and wipe down everything. You know, that happens a whole lot. You know, there are many, many days where hours go by of painting and then I wipe it all down because it just didn't work. And that's, I feel like that's just something you have to be okay with. If you, if you want to make the best painting you can make, you got to be okay with like redoing it or doing it again. And that's just how it is. You know, I hope all the students hear that. I hope all the students are still listening and hearing that because I mean, that that's a nearly impossible lesson to teach in the university setting where we have short deadlines and a thing needs to get finished. Yeah. And then, and then on top of that, the student is, these are new things for them. So yeah. finishing the thing is filling it all in and getting it done and to, to, to oh, wipe yeah. it all down and consider that good work is that's hard. That's very hard. Oh, so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. And, you know, sometimes, you know, there are a lot of paintings I make that no one ever gets to see. And, you know, I, I've been spending the last month here, here back in LA, like dealing with my archive of art. Like I have so much art that no one's ever seen that I don't actually want anybody to see. I'm keeping it for myself. Um, I'm keeping it to remember things I liked and things I didn't like, and maybe things I learned that were like just not good paintings. And, um, you know, but you learn things from every painting you make. And that's, that's why sometimes I keep the, the, the the like ones that failed and uh you know it's ultimately like you gotta get a little tough with yourself like it's not you it's just a painting you know and you can make many more (laughs) many 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 more yeah okay so we have we have a question here uh from kristen she says hi Haley. some of my students who are on the chat today have been working on janice masks masks of transitions Love. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, They are tasked with uh, showing transition in the color, in the form, not through symbolism, showing passage. How can you speak to them about how your paint handling and color work depict transition? 
Thanks for being here. Oh, wow. Thank you. That's such a great question. Um, I think I'm going to scroll to a painting. Um, this one, I think, speaks to that a bit, and I'm going to see if I can get in here a little bit. Um, I feel like you, you can think, the way I think about transitions is that some are like this plant here, like some transitions are very hard edged and others are very soft. Um, some are bright and some are dark. You know, some have like very intense, sure lines and others have barely no lines at all and are just like scrubby and messy um, and create like a mud. Mm. Um, you know, I think the way you show, the way you go from like a pink to like a mud can have some like brightness in it. It can have some darkness in it. Um, you know, something I always think about is uh, how and this might actually, I mean, I love Janice, Janice as a figure. I think that's such a powerful image. Um, you know, I, I'm involved in, um, this is going to sound crazy, but I, I um, my therapy is actually, I take Jungian therapy. And um, some of you may know of Carl Jung. Um, he invented archetypes and um, talks about like your shadow self. I think a lot about... Um, how there's how beauty only is beauty because there is a shadow, right? Mm -hmm. It's always like the darkness that shows you the light, mm -hmm. right? So transitions to me are always about that relationship between the thing that is like soft or beautiful or loving and kind and graceful. And then there's the shadow that is, you know, rich and deep and where like shadows are like the, like, I'm going to get super woo woo here, but like shadows are like the place of soil and like the earth and like where Persephone goes underground, like shadows and darkness are the place where, where like change happens and, and like nothing becomes something again. The cycle of life happens within the soil. So like thinking about transition, like you always have to have the darkness there, that place where things are hidden and things um, can become something else. Does that, am I off? Am I like going? It's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there's a, there's a kind of weaving, ultimately a weaving. Uh, Christmas yeah. Christmas yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What else? Anyone else? This is your chance. To ask. <laughs> Please ask anything. I have a question. Um, and I apologize if I'm going kind of backwards here, um, yes. but how was it like when you first decided to pursue art as your like main career? Like, did you get any backlash from family, friends, things like that? Um, mainly, I ask this because I have a cousin who's an artist, um, and he does a lot of like sculptures and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I know it was kind of hard on him on his startup. So, can you speak at all to kind of your beginning and kind of that decision. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to put up a different picture here. Um, 
here are some prints I did, by the way. Um, yeah, you know, it was, it's always been the hardest thing. And choosing to be an artist is honestly, it's a marriage. Like, to want to be an artist is, it's got to be like your number one. It's got to be like the thing you come back to and that relationship, the relationship you have with your own making, whatever form it takes, you have to like honor it and know that that relationship is like what you give to it, it gives back to you. And, and that's important because when people, when you have people doubting you and rejecting you, oh my God, so much rejection, right? Like mm -hmm. years of people saying, no, you're not invited to this. You can't show in that. No, thank you. We don't need your art. You know, <laughs> decades of this, right? No joke. Mm -hmm. And then people in your family are going to be like, how are you going to retire? Like, are you ever going to be able to buy a house, like all these things, committing to art, especially something like painting and not like a graphic or commercial kind of art world, mm -hmm. you're gonna, you're gonna live a kind of non-traditional life. You just kind of got to get down with that. And you got to know that, um, you're going to have to do whatever it takes to make it happen. And that means, you know, I've had every kind of job, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've worked in retail, I've waitressed, I've worked in offices, I've worked in bookstores. Um, you know, I have done everything. I've worked, I picked up garbage, you know, I have done everything. And, you know, my family, they're supportive, but I know they fear for me because this is a risky job. And ultimately, I think it's, it's really, you know, you know, who's, who's still there when you're in your forties coming into your fifties are the people that just keep coming back. Like failure doesn't have to mean anything, you know, failure, whatever that is, you make the art cause you love it. That's gotta be the thing. And, and you've got to just show your family and friends like, yeah, I know it's a risk, but like, this is important. This is how I communicate with the world, you know? Good question. Thank you so much. Find your people. Like that's the way. Find the people that are crazy, just like you. That was a, a beautiful answer. I, I think that was great. Thank you. Who else? Anybody? We have a few more minutes with Haley here. I think I think it actually answered every question I had on the on my little list. Cool. Well, okay, well, maybe one more. All right, back to that video I heard you, you. You were talking about, it's not an exact quote, but something like you had gratitude for the history of painting. That, I think, is the nearly exact quote. You had gratitude for the history of painting. Oh, my then, gosh, yeah. But then you asked, you asked about what it meant for you to be a woman um, painting today. And yeah. I, you, sort of, you sort of talked about that, but I, I just think that might be a good way to end. Um, any, any other thoughts on how you know this history was so dominated by men yeah uh, for the most part and but now today what's it mean to be a painter with that foundation well i'm i'm utterly grateful for the history of painting and all the things that it has offered the world 
you know, the way that we um, get to commune with these, like, these people that are long gone through their work. Um, one of my favorite painters is Charles Birchfield, who's an American painter. painter he's, 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 <laughs> he's the best. Like, he's a spirit person. I have a tattoo of one of his drawings on my arm. Do you really? Um, oh, my God. I oh yeah. I love him. And, uh, you know, I, I love those people from the past. And, you know, some of them were not great people, but some of them made really great art. Mm -hmm. And I value that. And, you know, today, I think as a woman person in the world who's making paintings, I, I feel like it's my job to honor that history, learn from it, um, make paintings about things that you know, build on that and can critique it and can change it. You know, I think, I think our relationship with the world and with one another has changed a lot since, since back then. And, um, I hope that my, my paintings convey that. And I hope that my relationship with my communities can show that. And I, I hope that, um, you know, just artistically speaking, we we are at a beautiful time where all of our history is really ours to do what we want with it and i think that's a huge gift and responsibility we get to learn about all that old stuff and decide what we think about it and make some new art you know we can change culture right and that's so amazing yeah and we're not stuck in one dominant mode there's no dominant mode anymore is there Oh, no. And that's so awesome. That means we all get to come up with our own thing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, everybody, last chance. Last chance. Otherwise, going once. Okay. Haley, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, I really that appreciate so it. fun. Thank you. Yeah, um, this Feel will, free to reach out to me on Instagram if any of you guys want to. I, I like chatting on there. That's right. I meant to say that in the beginning that you go uh, Barker underscore Haley on Instagram. That's yeah. why I always want to call you Barker. <laughs> I want to call you Barker. Lots of people do. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, follow Haley on Instagram and um, this recording will be available on our YouTube I'll share it with you afterward. You. I'll edit it down and uh, share it with you. So, thank right, you so much. much. Yep. Take care. Have a good evening. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been Q and A from the Cadditch and Morrissey Galleries at Saint Ambrose University. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All rights reserved. Twenty twenty three.